Alright, well, uh, good morning everyone. It is good to see you. Hope you are doing well today and uh, thanks so much for joining us again as uh, we we continue our time through the book of Ephesians. Uh, uh, I know as always, thank you to Dami, thank you to Malk uh, for leading us today. I know that worship can be hard sometimes for you guys watching at home but I tell you what I am excited that when we do eventually get back together we get to be led and served by this man particularly um, uh, I'm excited for the opportunity to see him use his gifts uh, when we gather back together so I'm looking forward to that well if you're new today uh, welcome and hello it's uh, great to have you joining us uh, and just to bring you up to speed as to what we've been doing over the past couple of months, we've been uh, going through uh, some studies in the book of Ephesians, which is found in the New Testament. And what we've been seeing there is that God tells us a story in the Bible. It's a story about what he has done to rescue us from the consequences of our sin. It's a story about uh, the person of Jesus uh, and uh, it shows us that his death and resurrection is where he achieves that rescue to bring us back to God. It is a good news story. And this good news uh, becomes our story when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. We enter into the story. It becomes our story. It becomes the dominant narrative of our lives as it shapes who we are and how we live. And Paul, the author of Ephesians, has been uh, showing us a whole variety of different practical ways in which the gospel story, this good news story, uh, becomes our story and, and practically shapes our lives. Uh, we thought last week uh, about marriage, and this week we're going to be thinking about parenting. Now, some of you uh, may well have be hearing that and thinking, well, I'm not a parent today, uh, so... Uh, what has this got to say to me? Well, let me just encourage you to stick with us uh, for three reasons. The first being uh, that one day you may become a parent yourself. Uh, and I know that all of those parents who are watching right now would attest to the fact that they wish that they had given more thought to parenting before they actually had to do it. This is a great opportunity for you to think through what God has to say about parenting ahead of time. And hopefully that will stand you in good stead for the future. The second reason uh, is that you will be better equipped to serve and support those who are parents in our, our, our church family or whichever church family you belong to as you understand some of the challenges uh, that they face and some of the ways in which uh, you can support them to uh, parent in a way that honours God. And thirdly and finally, what we, what we read today is not simply about parenting. It tells us about the gospel. It, it, it shines light into what God has done for us in and through the person of Jesus. And so whatever situation you find yourselves in, there will be something here for you today to apply to your situation. Well, before we, uh, before we get there, uh, I always uh, take some time to, to pray and ask God to help us. So why don't we do that together now and then we'll come to God's word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would be with us this morning. As we've already sung and prayed, we ask that by your spirit, you would be present with us and you would help us to engage with this, your word. We ask, Lord, that you would show us the glory of Jesus. You would help us, those of us who are parents, um, to understand your word and then put it into practice. And for all of us, whatever our life stage and situation, Lord Jesus, be speaking to us by your spirit, showing us more of your glory 
and help us to love you in response to the things that we hear today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. One of the things uh, you guys know about me is that I care a lot about how I look. My personal face beauty is very important to me and so often, at least once every four or five weeks, I will go and get a haircut. I'll go down to my local barbers and ask him to do a number one all over. It uh, usually takes about 10 minutes, uh, maybe 11 if he does uh, trims the eyebrows, which is often very necessary. Uh, and anyway, uh, a, few, uh, a few years back, one Saturday morning, I went down to my local barbers in Cardiff to get my hair done. And I was sat in a very small, cramped little waiting, waiting room. Uh, and I was about eighth in line. In hindsight, I probably should have just got up and left and come back uh, another time. But you know, like I say, I really care a lot about my appearance. So I waited it out uh, and there was a mum there who was also waiting with her little boy. She was about, uh, he was about, sorry, she was about, he was about five or six years old at the time. And to be fair to him, it is boring waiting to get your hair cut especially when you're cramped into a small space with lots of other people. And so after a few minutes, he started to play up. He wandered off and he went behind the, the till area, started pulling things off shelves, knocking down the, uh, the hair products that were for sale, all that kind of thing. I remember very clearly what happened next. She, she leant across me and in her strong Welsh accent, she screamed, Kieran, you do it again? And you are going home! That was Welsh, by the way, not German or Indian or some other accent. That was me trying to do Welsh. Uh, and, and Kieran, he, he looked up and he smiled. And then he just continued doing what he was doing. He pulling stuff off shelves, kicking off, making a nuisance of himself. And she leant across me again and she screamed, Kieran, you do that again and we're going home! And Kieran paid no attention at all to her, continued to do that, and she leant across me again and she screamed, you get it, okay? This went on for about an hour, by the end of which I was about to pick Kieran up and throw him through the window along with his mother. Um, it was a horrific situation to be a part of. You see, what was, what was going on at that moment? What was she teaching her little boy? Well, she was teaching him that his disobedience had no consequences. Uh, she was teaching him that she wouldn't follow through on what she was saying. Uh, she was teaching Kieran that the only person who really decided what Kieran did was Kieran and nobody else, least of all his own mother. Now, I have to say that uh, I have a little more sympathy today with his mum than I did back then, uh, now that I have my own children and I know the challenges of parenting and, and feeling like you are failing uh, and also doing that in public, which exacerbates everything 10 times. What parenting has taught me is that you are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, often with very little sleep, often feeling like you don't have much support around you to help you out. And you are expected to fulfill the roles of chef and entertainer and police officer and teacher and launderer and judge and butt wiper and personal assistant and paramedic, often simultaneously. It can be a hard job, one of the very hardest. And now don't get me wrong, I love being a dad. 
It's one of the greatest things in the world. I wouldn't change it for anything. I love my boys. I'm proud of both of them. I, I love seeing uh, the, the, the men that they're growing up to be. But there's no doubting that some days being a parent is tougher than others. And the question is, how do we do it well? How do we succeed as parents rather than simply survive? You know, every parent has a goal for their child. Uh, we may not verbalise it or write it down, but we are all aiming towards something for them. Perhaps we just want them to be healthy or happy. Uh, we might want them to become good people or achieve highly in school. We may want them to be successful in the sporting arena. Perhaps we want them to eventually get married and have a family themselves. That is what success looks like and would feel like for us as parents. Well, you know, the Bible, as we come to it today, has quite a different goal for us as we approach parenting. Those, those things that I mentioned previously, they're not bad. They're not wrong. But they're not the goal that Paul lays out for us today in Ephesians chapter 6, as we consider what gospel-shaped parenting looks like. And what Paul says here, it's simple, but I'm not sure it really makes our own list that often. Uh, it's not necessarily what we are often thinking about when we think about what we want for our kids. Here's what Paul uh, says to us as we think about what we need to teach our kids. Teach them to love obedience. Teach them to love obedience. That's our first point found there in verses 1 to 3. As we just read, Paul speaks uh, to the children of Christian households there in Ephesus, and he says to them, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, obedience uh, is a kind of taboo word in some circles. It makes us feel uh, uncomfortable. I remember a non-Christian friend coming over a few years back when Jack was young, and we were talking uh, about this very thing, and uh, I was saying how for Hannah and myself, uh, one of our goals uh, in raising him was that uh, he would learn to obey us. And she kind of like looked at me and sort of half laughed and she went, well, not, not obey. And I was like, uh, yeah, obey. And, and it was a bit awkward because uh, for many of us, obedience carries a negative connotation, the restriction of freedom, the uh, uh, removal of choice, uh, oppression even. It's something we might give grudgingly, but it's not something that we would love. But Paul here speaks directly to the children in the Ephesian church. That in itself is significant for the culture of the time. It shows them that he values them and that he cares about them, that they are significant as people. It, at the, in the culture of the time, they were second-class citizens at best. But what Paul says to them here is that they are to love obedience because blessing flows from it. Obey your parents, he says in verse 1, because it is right. For Paul, the reason to obey your, your parents, firstly, is self-evident. It's right. It's obvious. It's clearly the way that things work best. Wherever you go in the world, you will find 
human societies that flourish when children obey their parents. There's harmony within the family unit, there's unity, there's the passing on of wisdom and experience. Obey your parents because it is right, says Paul. But we read here that the reason that it is right is not simply some kind of luck or chance that we stumbled across uh, this way of ordering things. It is because God has promised blessing when we obey his word and honour our parents by obeying them. So in verse 2 we read, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul is quoting here from the Ten Commandments, which are found in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Every Jewish kid would have known these words, and they would have understood that God was saying to them that their parents' authority in their lives was something that was good for them, and that by obeying it, God has promised blessing for them, that their lives would be better and longer for their obedience. Now, this is not an absolute statement, a cast iron guarantee that if you listen to what mum and dad says and do it, then you'll retire uh, and it, retire to the Seychelles, live on a yacht and live until you're 80. Rather, this is a promised principle in God's word that more often than not, when children obey their parents, blessing follows, including a better quality of life that lasts longer. Now this is key for us to understand as parents as we raise our kids. You see, so often we fall into the trap of motivating obedience by fear alone. We focus on the consequences when we parent. If you do that again, you'll go to your room. Or if you do that again, I'll take you home. And you know, there are plenty of well-behaved kids who don't misbehave because they fear what will happen if they do. Now don't mishear me at this point. There is a right place for fear in a child's motivation. We know that bad behaviour leads to negative consequences and as parents we want our children to understand that at an age when the consequence is time out rather than prison. Yeah, I think we can all say amen to that. But what Paul shows us here is that the goal is not to make them fear consequences, but to love obedience. Paul leads with promise rather than punishment. We have to help our kids see the goodness of obedience so that they grow to love it. They obey gladly because they understand the benefit of it. You know, I had the great privilege of being raised in a Christian home. And uh, I had parents who loved me and they did a great job of helping me understand what was expected of me. But I don't think I ever understood that obedience was good. I know that I never loved obedience. And as I, as I got older and gained more freedom in my teenage years, I became, I started to live really a, a double life. There was two Pete's. There was Pete who was at home uh, that my parents saw, um, who, who did what was expected of me. And then there was Pete with everyone else who did exactly what I wanted and, and nothing more. 
You see, I, I feared my parents' disapproval. Uh, I feared disappointing them. I, I feared the consequences uh, of, uh, of, of disobedience. But I didn't love obedience. And so I didn't obey. And many of my greatest regrets, honestly, go back to those teenage years and the decisions that I made at that point when, when I rebelled against my parents' authority and lived however I wanted. So parents, teach your children to love obedience, not simply fear consequences, the consequences of being found out. Now, of course, the question we need to ask ourselves as parents at this point is, okay, that sounds great. How do we do that, right? How do we do this? Because uh, that is not straightforward. And I don't, I don't promise today that I have all the answers. And parents uh, and all of us, come along to small group this, this coming Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about it. We'll, we'll talk about how to put some of these things uh, into practice. But Paul helps us right now with this because uh, in verse four, his focus shifts from the responsibility of children to the responsibility of parents in the child-parent relationship. And his message to us as parents this morning is this, don't make your parenting about you. Don't make your parenting about you. So he says there in verse four, if you look down with me, fathers, and just quickly, uh, the Greek word used here, it does mean fathers, but it can also be used to signify both parents together, the fathers representing uh, the parenting unit. And I think the context clearly indicates that he is talking both to fathers and mothers here. So, so this word he, that he's addressing to us this morning is for both parents. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children, uh, or uh, that can also be uh, rendered, do not provoke them to anger. That's what exasperate means. Don't frustrate them and make them angry. As a dad, I've come to realize that there are so many ways in which we can exasperate our kids. We exasperate them when we are too harsh with them. After a long day, uh, you're tired, and the most minor indiscretion causes a huge overreaction and a disproportionate discipline. We exasperate them when we frustrate their individuality. Maybe uh, you want them to grow up to be great musicians. Uh, and despite the fact that they hate music and love running, you refuse to take them to the running, the running club and you force them to learn the piano. You exasperate your kids if you do that. You uh, frustrate their individuality. We exasperate our kids when we ignore them. Two words your phone, right? When we spend more time on Facebook or Instagram than, than talking to our kids and getting down on the floor and playing with our kids, hearing about how their day went, they are rightly exasperated with us. We exasperate our kids when we are unfair. You hear the commotion in the next room, you hear the, the screams and the cries and you burst in and you instantly meet out justice in order to restore order before you even listened to the story and heard that actually, it wasn't their fault. And we exasperate our children when we are embarrassed by them. They misbehave when you're in public and your reaction tells them that your greatest concern in that moment is your reputation rather than their heart. Most of the time, 
We exasperate our children because we make our parenting about us. We've put our own needs before the needs of our children. We've made our comfort, our ambitions, our reputation, the controlling factor that determines the decisions that we make in our parenting. And the scripture is clear. Christian parents, those who know Christ and are in relationship with him, those whose lives are shaped by the gospel story are not to live in this way. As we've already said, obedience without love is not what we are aiming for in our children. And yet that often happens when we make our parenting about ourselves. We simply want them to conform. Just shut up and obey me. I don't care if you want to do this or not. Just do what I say. Don't make your parenting about you. So if it's not about us, well, who is it about? You know, most people in our culture today would answer at this point, it's about the kids, right? Everything is about the kids. In our generation, that is so common, more than perhaps any generation that has come before us. We hear often about things like, we need to be child-led in our parenting. Don't tell them what they're having for dinner. Give them 17 different choices and they can choose for themselves. And if they don't want anything, that's fine. That's what they want. You know, uh, don't dictate to them. Give them everything that they ask for. If they want a toy, if they want seven toys when you're going around Tesco's, if they want to buy sweets only, great, do that. That's wonderful. Good parenting makes the child the center of the universe, not the parent. It's all about them, not about you. Well, can I suggest to you today that that is just as bad an approach as making it all about you? If you make them the center of the universe, they will believe that they are the center of the universe. And that does not teach them to love obedience. It teaches them to love power and control. In seeking to avoid to exasperate your children, you create a different and potentially even bigger problem. You reinforce to them the sinful notion that already resides in their own hearts that you didn't even need to put there, that they are the king or the queen of this world, not Jesus. No, brothers and sisters, don't make parenting about you, but equally don't make it about them either. What does Paul say to us here in verse four? He says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What's he saying to us here? Make your parenting all about Jesus. The key question we need to be asking in every and any situation as we try and love and care for our children is, how can I point them to Jesus in this? One of, the kid, one of the things that makes my kids angry is when they are hungry, when dinner is late. I have two boys aged five and three. I know very well what hangry looks like. It happens every day at about 4.45 p.m. And in, we know, don't we, in order for kids to grow healthily and well, you need to feed them a nourishing, balanced diet. They can't just eat sweets despite what they think. And the word that Paul uses here that's translated for us, bring them up, is the Greek word for nourish. They need nourishment to grow, not just physically, but as whole human beings. And the most important nourishment that your kids need, even more than food, even more than drink, is Jesus himself. They, because what they need to see, 
And hear me carefully on this point now. They need to see the greater promise behind the promise. So they're called to obedience, not simply so, uh, so that they can enjoy a long and happy life. Children must understand that obeying the commandment is to obey Jesus himself. It's given for their good and his glory. And when their hearts are happy, not only in their own good, but also in the glory of Christ, then obedience to their parents becomes a means by which they can serve the King of Kings. I neglected to mention earlier the qualifying clause there in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey, children, because you first love to obey him. Teach your kids the gospel. Help them understand that they are sinners, that they need a rescuer. Help them to recognise that Jesus died and rose to forgive them of their sins, to grant them new life with him, and that now they have asked him to rescue them, he has become their friend forever, and that they now live by his spirit, enjoying obedience to their covenant Lord. Help them to understand that. Now you might say, well, how on earth? that is complicated. I don't, I don't even really understand that. How do I help them uh, understand that? Well, one simple way to help them do this is to help them to obey their mother and father. Let's concretize that for me. That's exactly what Paul is doing. He's taking this gospel story. He's saying, how does this work out in your lives, kids? Obey mom and dad. Because doing that honors and obeys Jesus' plan for your lives. And through that obedience, you will experience blessing. The blessing of longer life, but also the blessing of learning that true life is found not through freedom of expression and doing your own thing and ruling your own life. True life is found through submission to good authority. A delegated authority, which your parents have in your life, but ultimately the authority of King Jesus, who loves you and rules for your good as your covenant Lord. That is what we are teaching our kids, the promise behind the promise, when they obey their parents. Don't make parenting about you, make it about Jesus. And practically, this looks like training and instructing. That's what Paul says there in verse four. We have to train our kids by defining and reinforcing boundaries. Make it clear to them what is right and what is wrong and help them to obey. Parents, let me say to you, start young. It is amazing how quickly infants and babies understand what they should and should not do. For young kids, your training goal is simple. Expect first-time obedience. In our house, we, uh, we have a little phrase that both my boys can repeat because I've said it till I'm blue in the face. If mummy and daddy tell you to do something, boys, if you're watching this, you can say it with me, you do it. If mummy and daddy tell you to do something, you do it. Must have said that hundreds, maybe thousands of times. They know that when we ask them to do something, they don't negotiate, they don't rebel, they don't ignore us, they don't make excuses, they don't run away. In our house we expect, although we don't always get, first time obedience. We are 
we have structured our family life to train them to obey in order that they might experience the goodness of obedience, to enjoy the unity and harmony and joy of a life submitted to, to the loving care and authority of their parents. The days when the boys obey are so much nicer an environment in the, in the home than when they don't. That's just the way that obedience works. You'll know that if you have kids. And you see, when they don't obey, there has to be consequences. There has to be. Otherwise, our words are empty. And look, Hannah and I, we don't always get this right. But even as we discipline, we must make sure that our parenting is not about us. The reason that uh, we are um, doing this is not because we are upset, because we have been disrespected ourselves, because uh, they have uh, rebelled against our own authority. No, our, our authority is delegated to us. We are servants of the Lord Jesus as we serve our children in discipline. And so our goal for them is to see Jesus in that moment, which means that any consequences that we, that we give for them must be filled with grace, must be. That is how the Lord treats us. That is how our heavenly father parents us. So how should we be harsher than he is when, frankly, our rebellion against him is far greater than your five-year-old's rebellion against you? Discipline. Make sure that there are consequences. Train your kids to understand the boundaries and when they've overstepped them. But do so filled with grace. And if that is difficult for you, make sure that you take time. Take a breath before you decide what action needs to be taken before you have that, that conversation with your eight-year-old or your teenage son or daughter. Take time and then go and address it. Because for you, it is so important that you parent and train your child to obey in an atmosphere of grace. Train your kids, but also instruct them. Training speaks more to the ordering of life but instruction speaks more to the, the communication that you have between yourself and your kids. When your kids are younger, you need to prioritize training. A one-year-old doesn't really care, doesn't really understand why you pray with them before bed. Um, they just know that that is what you do together as a family. But as they grow, quickly increase the amount that you communicate with them. Spend time talking to your kids. Make communication a priority. Talk to them as much as you possibly can and talk about everything and anything. Talk about zebras and why there are homeless people on the streets. Talk about winning and losing. Talk about why jokes about bottoms are both funny and inappropriate. You can't say them in front of Nana. Talk about birds and stars and friendship and politics. Talk to them about Frozen and marriage and sex and Star Wars and whatever else crosses their mind to talk to you about or crosses your mind to talk to them about. But as you are prioritizing and intentionally uh, yeah, prioritizing communication, do that by weaving the gospel through everything you say. Use every opportunity to show them that all of life is about Jesus. All of life is shaped by the gospel story. 
including zebras and homelessness and Star Wars. Help them to see how all of life is related to Jesus. Explain to them why obedience is good as you frame your family life within the story of the gospel. And of course, the best way to do that, my friends, is to open the Bible with your kids regularly. You know, honestly, it's something that as a father, I have to get better at doing. You might think, Pete, you're, you're the pastor of a church. Surely I would be opening the Bible with my kids. It's something I struggle to do because life is busy, isn't it? But if you prioritize these things, you show your kids where true life is found. It comes from the pages of the scriptures as we listen to Jesus and joyfully obey him together. So read the Bible with your kids. Do it in the morning. Do it in the evening. Make sure you pray with them as you go to school, as you come back from school, at dinner times, at bedtime. Pray with them when they're worried. Pray with them when they've won and they're happy and they're celebrating victories. And perhaps most of all, model repentance for them as well. Model it in their marriage, in your marriage. Model it in your parenting. Show them that the gospel isn't just for them, it's also for you. Say sorry to them when you snap or were unfair or spend the last half an hour looking at your phone and ignoring them. And be quick to forgive them when they say sorry. And let them see that pattern in your marriage too. If we are allowing the gospel to shape our family life, our marriage and our parenting, then our children will see the goodness of obedience and we will be teaching our kids to love obedience. And that's so important because we want them to come and obey Jesus, to find life in him through submission to his lordship. And that is aided a thousandfold if we ourselves also love to obey him. So parents, teach your children to love obedience by making your parenting about Jesus. That's a hard thing to do. So let me pray for us now as we close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you uh, speak to us and encourage us with this truth. And now, Lord, as we, as we consider what you are saying to us today, we pray that you would help those of us who are parents to make our parenting about Jesus. Help us to teach our children to love obedience, to see the blessing to them both in this life and the next. Help them to enjoy uh, obeying their parents and also obeying you, Lord Jesus. We pray for the hearts of our children. We ask that you would uh, draw them to yourself by your spirit. And Lord, we pray for ourselves as parents. Forgive our failures. Forgive the times when we have screwed it up and forgotten you and put ourselves or even put our children first. Help us to make our parenting about Jesus. To train and instruct our children in order that they grow up to follow and love you. Father, help us to do these things, we pray, for your glory and for our joy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.